In 2017, Casey Viner, then aged 19, from Ohio, conspired with fellow gamer Tyler Barris to make a so-called swatting call to police. A swatting call is a hoax phone call designed to make special weapons and tactics police or the SWAT police raid a target's house. The two young men admitted to making the call after an argument with another gamer, Shane Gaskill, while playing the video game Call of Duty online. In the fake 911 call, Barris told police he had shot his father and was holding the rest of his family hostage. Barris gave police what he thought was Shane Gaskill's address in Kansas. However, the random fake address provided by Shane Gaskill was not his own, but that of Andrew Finch, a father of two, who didn't know any of these three young men and had no involvement in the video game dispute. Armed police went to the address provided by Barris, which was the home of Andrew Finch, and shot dead Andrew thinking he was Barris, who had shot his father and held the rest of his family hostage. Sadly, this is not an isolated incident. Misinformation, lies, innuendos, fake news, and other deceptive words, whether intentional or not, have led to tragic outcomes, be it the loss of life savings, the ruining of reputation, the breaking up of couples and families, the dissolution of friendships, the loss of life, and other tragedies. That is why the Scripture is very clear throughout the Bible in books such as Exodus, Leviticus, Psalms, Proverbs, the Gospels, Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, 1 John, James, the Revelation, that thou shalt not lie. One who professes to trust and obey the living God and is a follower of Jesus Christ should not lie, whether intentionally or unintentionally, because of the tragic and deadly consequences that may come of it. But unfortunately, every day Christians lie when they spread or send out news and information that is untrue, false, and fake, although even with the best of intentions. Some may think that it is no big deal as they believe it is the responsibility of those who receive the news to filter for truth and verify the information for themselves. However, it is a big deal to God because the Bible very clearly states that it is a sin to lie and it grieves the heart of God when we sin. Therefore, God is displeased when His children lie, intentionally or unintentionally. As followers of Jesus Christ, you and I have a responsibility to speak the truth and share truthful things. And to do so, we must first be able to filter, discern, and find out what is true and what is untrue. Because not only is this our spiritual responsibility to always tell the truth, there is a great commission implication. You see, if you, as a Christian or a follower of Jesus Christ, are known to be someone who spreads fake news, conspiracy theories, and false information, why would your unsaved friends and family believe you when you share the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ with them? To them, the good news of Jesus may be part of the fake news, conspiracy theories, and biased propaganda that you often share. Simply put, if you are a known liar or spreader of misinformation, why would anyone want to believe anything you say or advocate, even if it concerns the truth of Jesus and the Christian faith? And so we begin a new sermon series which will look at how we go about searching for truth and the important biblical principles for how to filter and discern truth in a confusing world. 
a world where we have access to so much information and are bombarded with everyone claiming to speak the truth and claiming that the opposite side conspires to cover up the truth being advocated. In a technologically advanced world with multiple social media platforms and messaging tools for disseminating information, the environment in which we live is ripe for fake news to flourish. And that is what we want to talk about in this first sermon of our series, The Search for Truth. We want to see the importance of truth in a world where fake news is prevalent and everyone is claiming that the other side is propagating fake news and misinformation. Now, you may think that fake news or false information presented as true news is new to our generation, but it isn't new to our generation. It's been around since the fall of man. You see, the deceptive practice of fake news or falsehood masquerading as truth is a primary weapon used by Satan to deceive mankind. Satan used fake news with Adam and Eve when he twisted God's specific instruction to both of them and created confusion and doubt in their minds as to whether they would really die if they ate of the forbidden fruit. Adam and Eve bought into the deception of Satan's lies, and it caused them to fall and thus sin came upon mankind. And Satan continues to use the same method today in order to deceive the world, and sadly, Christians unknowingly help his deception when we do not wisely discern and filter information received and unwittingly share misinformation, falsehood, and lies. To counter fake news, we need to be able to discern and filter out truth. And this is hard work, which requires wisdom, time, and effort on your part. But it is worth the time and effort, and you will see its worth when you and I can recognize the importance of truth. Let's take a look at how Jesus Christ successfully battled the deception of Satan in His own temptation as Jesus recognized the importance of truth to battle the lies of Satan. Let me propose for you three biblical principles we are to remember to help us recognize the importance of truth in order to counter fake news and discern truth from lies. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, as we take a look at verses 1 to 11. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, as we draw out three biblical principles for countering the deception and lies of Satan and the deception and lies of this world. I read now verses 1 to 3 of Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when He had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward He was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. The Bible tells us that Jesus was led to the wilderness for a showdown with the devil, Satan. Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, presumably in prayer, and so he was physically weak. In his humanity, Jesus was hungry. That's when Satan comes to him. You know, my friend, Satan knows when we are weak whether it's emotionally weak, spiritually weak, or physically weak, and that is when He often attacks. In Jesus' state of physical weakness, as the Bible notes, Satan asks Jesus to turn stones into bread so that Jesus' hunger could be satisfied. Satan knew that Jesus, while fully human, was also fully divine as the Son of God. So Satan tempted Jesus to show his divine power to prove his divinity by turning these stones into bread with the extra motivation to satisfy his hunger. 
This is something that Jesus could have easily done as the Son of God, God Himself. But look at Jesus' reply in verse 4. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, Jesus could have very well just said, No, I will not do what you ask, Satan, and, and be gone. Or He could have said, Thanks, but no thanks. I don't do your bidding. I don't need to prove anything to you, Satan. But here Jesus' response to Satan was to quote the Word of God, specifically Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, to tell Satan he wasn't going to do it because he only submits to do the will of God the Father. Why does Jesus quote Scripture to Satan? Because Scripture carries with it perfect and ultimate authority. The Bible is authoritative because it is the Word of God. Jesus wanted to show that truth comes from God through His Word, which carries His authoritative will. And from this exchange, we draw out our first principle, number one. We are to remember in our battle against fake news and the lies and deception of Satan that truth must come from authoritative and trustworthy sources. Truth comes from authoritative and trustworthy sources. There is no higher a source of authority and more trustworthy a source than the one true God. And therefore, His Word of how we are to live as written in the Bible, God's inerrant and inspired Word, is to be held as ultimate truth and the standard against which all other claimant for truth must be measured. Whenever we are in doubt for how we are to live, act, and believe, or what we hear or experience, we must always go back to the Scripture to double-check to see if it is consistent with God's Word. That is why Jesus replied back to Satan's temptation by quoting God's authoritative Word. This biblical principle is a practical reminder to us that when it comes to news we receive, we should check to make sure it is from an authoritative, reliable, and trustworthy source. This is how we discern truth. This is why it is important for Christians to fact-check, to put in the time and the effort to research and to confirm what you are reading or hearing or what you plan to share. This shows that as a follower of Jesus, you place great importance on truth. Because not doing so or not checking for the reliability of the sources used is like irresponsibly spreading gossip without first checking if what has been heard is true or not. Take, for example, if you get a message that I died from the COVID virus. How many of you would quickly pass it along to other friends? Or how many of you would first check with my wife or my family or with the church to see if I had indeed died? I really hope you would check with authoritative sources first, which I think most of you would, because this type of information is one of those things you do not want to get wrong because of how important it is. But how about in another scenario? What if you get a message that said that Cindy and I were expecting a fourth child? Would you first check with me or Cindy to verify this information? Or is it simply too exciting a news that you have to share it with your best friends and tell them you got a message saying, I'll share with you if you promise not to tell anyone else? And by the way, as a side note, can I just say that when you ask a person not to tell anyone else, I can assure you that in 99% of the time, that person will certainly share with someone else. 
I think many of us would be more likely to share this news first and then verify later, and if needed to retract if there is a need for correction, because on a scale of importance and impact, a possible fourth child for the pastor isn't as important as the news of his death. So our level of fact-checking is often tied to the importance we place on a certain subject and how it affects us. But this should not be the case. Everything we share should be verified to be true. Unfortunately, in this day and age of social media, with its speed and information access, it is almost impossible to take back something you have shared in error. The power is such that with one click of a button, you can share information with hundreds and thousands of people, and it is often impossible for you to go back and correct everyone who has heard this false information that you have shared. It is highly irresponsible for a Christian to share something that they have not done the research on to verify if the information is correct or not. And as we live through this pandemic, there's much misinformation and disinformation being shared. Sometimes we simply don't know whom to believe. I remember earlier this year, I received a message that was promoting the China-branded vaccine as being the best, safest, and most efficacious. It even cited an article from a very reputable, respected Western news outlet from which that information was supposedly derived. I must have received the same infographic from at least 30 people who were sharing the news to all of their messaging platform groups. When I actually read the source article link, which was attached to the claim as supposedly showing this to be true, the reliable news article link didn't mention anything about the Chinese vaccine being the most effective. In fact, it was an article talking about something else. Listen carefully, I'm not saying the China-branded vaccine isn't effective. My point in this illustration is simply to say that the claim on this message and the supposed authoritative source attached didn't match up. You see, the world knows that truth is more readily believed when there is an authoritative and reliable source that backs up its claim. But just because someone attaches an article or a name to support a claim doesn't mean it's correct you still have the responsibility to check the sources. So many times unknown to me, my name has been used to support the actions of someone at church. They would say, Pastor Stephen said this, Pastor Stephen allowed this, Pastor Stephen decided this, Pastor Stephen said you are wrong. The problem is I never said those things. I never decided on those things. And a simple message to me to check would have easily verified what I supposedly said or agreed to. I hope you see my point. But some of you may say, Pastor, I really don't have time to verify everything. But you know, this information is so important, and I quickly need to spread this information because I want to help those in my community, and especially help those who may not hear this story. But can I just say, it is more important to verify and share the right information than it is to share the wrong information with speed. Let me repeat that. It is more important to share the right information than it is to share the wrong information quickly. Remember the fictional story of Chicken Little, who believed that the sky was falling because an acorn fell on its head, and tells everyone, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the end of the world is coming. Or the story of the boy who cried wolf, tricking his fellow villager into thinking 
that a wolf keeps attacking the town's flocks? In both fictional stories, it came to the same moral lesson conclusion, that no one will believe you anymore when you constantly tell lies. No one will believe you anymore. You see, my friends, people who share wrong information often is not only irresponsible, but will also garner a reputation for being untrustworthy or unbelievable. My friends, if you don't have time to research or verify the content of that which you plan to share with family and friends, then it's really simple. Do not share or forward that information. If you are not sure, don't share. If you are not sure, don't share. Because if you have shared misinformation, then you have committed the sin of lying. And if you share often lies, then you will no longer be believed. It is your responsibility and mine to fact-check and to do our own research. And we'll talk about bias and propaganda, even in the media, in another message in this series. So, my friends, remember the biblical principle that truth comes from authoritative and trustworthy sources. By fact-checking, you are showing the importance you place on truth. And as Christians, since only the Bible is authoritative for spiritual matters, then we should go to the source and read what the Bible says for how we are to live, fully trusting it is God's Word. It is in God's Word that we find out how to live, not to trust in traditions, not in what others say, not even in how the world or the culture tells us we are to live. The authority for the Christian life is found in God's Word. Let me read now verses 5 to 7. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Here in this second temptation, Satan takes Jesus to Jerusalem to the temple, and while on top quoted Scripture from Psalm chapter 91, verses 11 to 12, that if Jesus were to jump from the temple roof, then as the divine Son of God, the angels of heaven would come to rescue Him from getting hurt in the fall. Of course, even we know this to be true, that as God Himself, Jesus could command His angels to protect Him from a fall of that height. In fact, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, Jesus told His disciples that they needed to put their swords away as the men came to rest Him in the Garden of Gethsemane, because at His disposal are more than 12 legions of angels, more than 72,000 angels who can come to His aid at any time. But Jesus would do His Father's will and, and allow Himself to be arrested so that He can die for the sins of mankind. So certainly the angels would have come to help Jesus if He were to jump as Satan suggested. But here in this second temptation, Satan has misapplied Psalm 91 because this psalm in full and proper context is about God's care and faithfulness for those who place their trust in Him and not about testing God to see if indeed He will do as He says. 
Jesus' reply in verse 7 shows us that he knew Satan had intentionally misapplied the verse quoted and said to Satan, you should not test God because while God's promises always holds true, it is expressed and fulfilled perfectly based on His will, His time, and His purpose, not on when we test Him. So, for example, if you jump off a building and say, Lord, You promised to protect me from harm, so save me from this fall, which I stupidly attempted when I jumped off this building, you know what's going to happen? You and I would probably get seriously hurt or even die from this jump of a great height. You can't then say, see, God didn't hold His promise. He didn't protect me because we had tested Him, and He doesn't have to prove Himself to us. In this example, we dared Him on our terms, and He quote-unquote called our bluff. That doesn't disprove His promises. It just shows our ignorance and foolishness. Jesus didn't allow Satan to misapply a promise of God while contradicting another principle in God's Word, which is the prohibition to test God, as we see in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 16 to 17. So in how Jesus responds to Satan's second temptation, we can draw out our second principle for how we are to place great importance in truth to counteract fake and false news, and it is this, principle number two. Truth has to be given in its full and proper context. Truth has to be given in its full and proper context. You see, my friends, it is so easy to manipulate truth in such a way that while there is some truth, it is completely taken out of context and misapplied, that the truth is no longer true, but instead a lie. There was truth in what Satan was telling Jesus by quoting Scripture, but since it was taken out of context, misapplied, and contradicted another scriptural principle in its deceptive application, therefore what Satan advocated for was not valid. Now, we'll talk more about bias disinformation, propaganda, and agenda in another message in the series. But suffice it to say, it is important to discern and find truth in the full context in which it is given. Doing so shows the importance we place in truth. That is why fake news is often so hard to distinguish from truthful news, because while there are elements of truth in it, it is not given in its full and rightful context. Recently, the Taliban completed their takeover of Afghanistan with the fall of the capital, Kabul. And I started getting messages to pray for Afghanistan, specifically for the Christians living there. One particular message I kept receiving was an urgent message to pray because 229 Christian missionaries had been sentenced to death by the Afghan Islamists, and they would soon be executed the next day. This message also said to pray because a radical Islamic group had just taken Karakosh, and hundreds of Christian men, women, and children were being beheaded. Many well-meaning Christians were forwarding and passing this message around, calling for prayers for Afghanistan, and specifically for the Christians living in Afghanistan. But here is a problem with this message. It is a decades-old debunked hoax having circulated since 2009 that often resurfaces itself whenever something happens in the Middle East or in Asia. The facts in the message would be slightly altered or changed to fit the current situation. 
A simple Google search will show that Karakash is in Iraq, not in Afghanistan. And while ISIS did capture the city in 2014 and many Christians fled, the city has since been rebuilt and Christian communities have come back. In fact, the Pope just visited the city earlier this year. So hundreds of Christians are not being beheaded. Also, there is no report from any credible news source or missions organizations that 229 missionaries have been killed or are being killed by the Taliban. In fact, when Snoops.com first debunked the claim that 22 Christian missionaries are set to be executed in Afghanistan, Snoops reported at that time the chain message appeared to misconstrue the 2007 kidnapping of 23 South Korean missionaries in Afghanistan. The Taliban did kill two of them, but release the rest. Now, have the Taliban killed Christians in the past and perhaps in the present? Absolutely, yes. But the facts presented in this call to prayer are simply not true, and facts do matter. The reason I point this out is that often we will believe something where there are hints of truth in it, but sadly the truth is taken completely out of context and misapplied. So while good intentioned, this viral message is simply not true and can be classified as fake news or a lie. Facts do matter. So what are the facts? Christians are being persecuted in places like Afghanistan, and we should be fervently praying for them because trying to convert someone to the Christian faith is illegal and conversion is punishable by death in extreme forms of Islamic law. Some of you may be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Even if some information is wrong or not given in its full context, at least it gets Christians to pray for other Christians in a persecuted country. The ends, therefore, justify the means. But my friends, Jesus shows very clearly here in Matthew chapter 4 that one cannot disobey a biblical principle like do not lie to claim to do another biblical principle, which is to pray for others. We don't have to add false information or lies to encourage people to pray for persecuted Christians. That just makes Christians out to be a liar in a world that is trying to point out our mistakes and trying to disprove all we claim about Christ and what we say. Truth has to be given in its proper and full context, and that may require time and research, but at all costs we must want to share truth, not lies. So remember, when you are not sure, don't share. That is our Christian responsibility as we show the world the importance we place on truth because we have a great truth we want to share to the world, which is the truth of salvation only through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read now verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. In the third temptation, Satan took Jesus to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, which was legitimately under Satan's temporary control, and offered it to Jesus if he would bow down and worship Satan. Satan knew biblical prophecy, and he was trying to tempt Jesus into avoiding the pain and suffering of death to give the Messiah what had already been promised to him by God the Father after he dies for the sins of mankind. 
This promise of the Messiah ruling the earth can be found in places like 2 Samuel chapter 7, where the Messiah from the Davidic line would rule the world when God establishes His future kingdom on earth in the millennium. Satan's temptation to Jesus was to circumvent God's sovereign plan and to have an easy way out. But notice Jesus' response, reading verses 10 and 11. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Jesus did not fall into the temptation of Satan and responded from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, and Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20, which tells Satan that only the one true God is to be worshipped. Jesus would choose to serve God the Father and fulfill His will, even if it necessitated Him going through death in order to save mankind. Jesus passed this temptation because He recognized and lived out the truth echoed throughout the Gospels, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, my friends, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what you want. It only matters what God wants. And the Heavenly Father desires that He alone is to be worshipped and served, regardless of the consequences we may experience. This is truth applied with precision, not changing the truth to fit our own wants and our own desires. You see, principle number three, to counter fake news and to show the world the importance we place on truth is to remember, number three, truth has to be applied with precision and accuracy. Truth has to be applied with precision and accuracy. What I mean is that similar to putting truth in its full and proper context, the application of that truth must be precise and accurate not subject to what you think or feel or experience, but accepting it at face value with all of its full consequences. For example, the Bible commands us not to steal. This truth is not up for negotiation, even if you feel that stealing is somehow justified. This is what I mean when I talk about applying truth with precision and accuracy. One of Satan's deception is to get us to think that truth is malleable, it can change. It can be flexed. It doesn't need to be precise. As long as there is some truth, then we can accept it as full truth. This is a deceptive lie of Satan. As I've taught many times, a half-truth is not half a truth. It is a lie. A half-truth is not half a truth. It is a lie. Truth plus a little bit of untruth is still untruth. A statement where 99% is true and 1% is a lie or is false is not almost true. It is still a lie. This is something that Christians need to understand. Just because there's an element of truth in it or it is close to the truth does not mean it is true. For example, we know that 1 plus 1 equals 2. 1 plus 1 does not equal 1.99. 1 plus 1 does not equal 2.22. 1 plus 1 equals 2. And so you can't tell your math teacher to accept your answer if you put 1 plus 1 equals 1.99. Because teacher, it's really so close to 2. It's only 0.01 away from the right answer. 
Will you count 1.99 as correct? Of course, the teacher would tell you no. Or you say, teacher, look, 2.22 has the number 2 three times in the answer. Can it be accepted as well? At least I got the first digit right, 2. Will you please consider? Of course, the teacher will not give you credit. There's only one answer to 1 plus 1, and it is 2. Again, if it is not 100% true, then it is a lie. It is as simple as that. It is as simple as that. When a statement is 99% true and 1% is false, it is not almost true. It is a lie. It is false. My friends, we have to understand this truth because so many people, even Christians, have forgotten this principle that truth has to be applied with precision and accuracy. And that's why they fall into cults or are led astray by false teachers and false teachings because to them there are some aspects that sound correct or they see some truth which are being advocated for in the Bible, but they don't realize or don't seem to care that the other things which uh, they are advocating for is not consistent with what the Bible teaches. So in our generation today, as long as the vast majority is consistent with the Bible or there is some truth, then it's okay to accept. But that is not to be. The Bible tells us that everything should line up with the Word of God. Now, in a larger context, because we don't hold to this principle as strongly as we should, many Christians either help spread fake news, lies, and information, or we so easily buy into it, not thinking to check the facts to see if it is first indeed precise and accurate in all of its part before buying into it and placing full trust into believing and accepting the proposed truth. Now, why am I hitting this principle so hard? Because, my friends, there is life and death implications with this truth. Jesus said very clearly in John chapter 14, verse 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. But some people will completely disregard this statement of Jesus and advocate that all we have to do is believe in Jesus as a good person, as someone to whom we should emulate, or we need to follow Jesus' moral teachings and to do good works so that we can be saved, or that since there are other religions that advocate for similar truths that Jesus speaks about, then all religions eventually lead to heaven. But the Bible is very, very clear. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way by which mankind can be saved. Those who do not apply this truth with precision and accuracy will go to hell. Those who do not place their trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will go to hell. If we are advocating for such an accurate truth which saves lives, then it goes to reason that we should have a reputation that we are trustworthy, accurate, believable, and precise in everything we share so that we will be believed when we talk about Jesus. As the U.S., U.K., and NATO forces withdrew from Afghanistan, I watched with great sadness on the news the desperation of the Afghans and the foreign nationals trying to scale the airport walls or fight through the sea of humanity to try to get through the airport gates to get on the last flights out of Afghanistan to safety. I saw how they were waving passports, letters, pictures, and documentary proof 
that they had indeed worked for the U.S., the U.K., or the NATO coalition forces that could possibly secure them a seat on a flight to safety. But from the news reports on the ground, the U.S. and U.K. soldiers were generally only allowing people with foreign passports and special visas into the airport to secure a flight out. My heart ached as I saw the desperation of the people, and it somehow reminded me of those of the great white throne judgment as described in Revelations chapter 20, where the unbelievers of all ages will appeal their case before the Lord, giving reasons why they should not be thrown into the lake of fire, but should be allowed into the new heavens and the new earth. But all their appeal will be for naught, because Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 says their names were not written in the book of life. That only happens when one places their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior while they are still alive. You see, my friends, the ultimate fake news propagated by Satan and his worldview is a deception that there are other ways to be saved, that good works and other religions will save you, that there are many ways to be saved. But the ultimate authoritative source, God Himself, said in His inerrant Word in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that this truth, in its full and proper context, tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, that God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And it is not because of our works or that we deserve it that we are saved. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And this salvation truth must be applied precisely for it to be effective. We have to believe and place our trust that Jesus Christ died for us, and that through Him we have eternal life. And this truth is precisely stated in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, my friends, when you share the good news of Jesus to the world, people should not believe because of you. People should not believe because you said it is so or believe because you have experienced it yourself, but they should believe because the authoritative and errant precise Word of God says so, that whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. As Christians, we have a responsibility to uphold truth. We have to champion the importance of truth so that we will be believed and so that we can push back against the deceptions of Satan and a world full of fake news disinformation, lies, and false information. And to do so, we have to remember that truth comes from authoritative and trustworthy sources. And there is no source more authoritative and trustworthy than the Bible. We have to remember that truth has to be given in its full and proper context. And we have to remember that truth has to be applied with precision and accuracy. Remember, my friends, we have amazing words of truth to share to this world. The truth about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
and the life-saving, abundant life truths presented in the Bible for the eternal benefit of mankind. May the Lord grant wisdom and discernment to us all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for showing us the importance You place on truth. I pray, Lord, that each of us will take these principles to heart, because in a world full of confusion, for Satan, the great deceiver, is trying to deceive the minds of mankind. Help us to champion truth. Help us to see us as being responsible for sharing truth. May it be that the world looks upon us as men and women who share truth, so that when we share the truth about Jesus Christ, when we share truth about the abundant life that we can have in Christ, that the world will believe us. Father, I pray that we would apply truth with precision and accuracy, not bending it to our will, but looking to the Scripture for our standard and measurement of truth. I pray that we will always remember to keep truth in its true, full, and proper context. Again, not manipulating truth for our benefit. And I pray that each of us will see your word as being authoritative and something we are to follow. May you bless us and give us wisdom, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.